0: Welcome to Bassmaster Radio, presented by Phoenix Boats, the show for fishermen, by fishermen. Today's show is brought to you by Enigma Fishing, cast, catch, repeat. Visit Anderson, South Carolina, home of beautiful Lake Hartwell. Phoenix Boats, experience the difference. And by the Bass Anglers Sportsman Society. Now, here's lifetime BASS member, Tom Abraham.
1: Welcome to this week's episode of Phoenix Post Bassmaster Radio. I am Tom Abraham, your guide for the next hour as we feature the Bassmaster Elite Series and those looking to get into that exclusive group through the BassPro.com Open Series and the up-and-comers on the Carhartt Bassmaster College Series presented by Bass Pro Shops and the tens of thousands of Bass Nation anglers around the country competing on the local level, all with a chance to advance to the big leagues of professional fishing. The Bass Nation operates youth, high school, and college programs, including a junior bassmaster championship a high school national championship the college national championship and the college bracket leading to the bassmaster classic the bass nation is at the grassroots of who we are and for more information on how to become a member or to start a bass nation club visit bassmaster.com and click on the nation tab the best way to communicate with the show, to post your pictures or tell us your stories or just comment on the show is to visit our Facebook fan page at facebook.com forward slash BASS or on Twitter at Bassmaster and use the hashtag bass radio. You can also listen to all the shows at Bassmaster.com forward slash radio or just hit the watch button at Bassmaster.com and click on Bassmaster Radio. Well, the DeWalt Bassmaster Elite at Lake Eufaula on the Alabama-Georgia border did not disappoint as Eufaula showed out with big bags throughout the event. But none was bigger than the 27-pound, 11-ounce sack rookie Buddy Gross brought to the scales on Championship Saturday. To boat race 2019 AOI Scott Canterbury, who still got out of there with a second place finish and the AOI lead this year. Buddy fished some new water on the final day and changed up his tactics since he came in 10th and really had nowhere to go but up. The 10th to first thing is becoming quite a trend here on the Elite Tour, showing just how deep this field is. Buddy is in our winner's circle segment coming up a bit later. Another rookie, Caleb Kufal of Wisconsin, entered the final day in second place and slipped to sixth with a 17-pound one-ounce bag, which is usually a pretty good catch. He is in our Meet the Elite segment today. And what's it like to be a marshal at an elite event? Well, Neil Paul is not only the director of VisitAnderson.com on the shores of beautiful Lake Harwell, but he is also one of the best marshals out there. And he has a new column at Bassmaster.com talking about the experience. He's coming up a little bit later on as well. So great.
0: Welcome back to Bassmaster Radio presented by Phoenix Boats. Now here's your host, Tom Abraham. And hey, welcome back, Phoenix Boats Bassmaster Radio. And kicking
1: things off with a little Meet the Elites segment. And uh, how about this? A second elite tour for, or second elite event for Caleb Kufal and out of Wisconsin. And all he does is make the final day. He was second going into championship Saturday, ended up sixth. It's not like he didn't catch him at all. He was over 17 pounds on the last day. It's just everybody was catching big bags. And Caleb joins us now. Caleb, welcome to the show, man.
2: How are you? Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Uh, doing real well.
1: Last time we talked, you had uh, won an open uh, down at Smith Lake. And uh, lo and behold, we talked about the possibility of you coming over to the Elite Tour. You went ahead. You, you got things done so that you are here. And uh, you must have kind of had a little sticker shock on day one at the St. John's River in that tournament, finishing 61st. But, man, you got to straightened out in a hurry. Not bad in the Classic. Uh, top 20 finish in the Classic, making a the cut there. And then, boom, uh, second going into Championship Day, you finished sixth. Uh at at U so you, you gotta be feeling pretty confident right now.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's good to get things turned around after Saint John's and um, you know, uh having a top ten, man, that really gives me a lot of confidence uh just going forward into the rest of the season, uh especially into the New York swing, uh, you know, kinda up by me and uh just looking forward to get things rolling there.
1: Yeah, people wouldn't consider uh, Mukwanago, is that how you say it? Mukwanago? How would you say it? Mukwanago. Mukwanago, I can't say it. Mukwanago, Wisconsin, and, and, and New York State necessarily neighbors, but it is the same region of the country, if you will, and a lot of uh, natural glacier lakes and things like that. So I would think going into the New York swing, going to spend a whole month of July in New York. Yeah, I feel pretty good about that.
2: Yeah, I think they'll set up uh, fairly well for what I'm used to. Uh, you know, a lot of smallmouth fishing and, uh, you know, some good largemouth lakes too. So uh, a lot of, you know, grass and that, uh, especially at Cayuga and Champlain. So, uh, you know, we'll see how things go there. Hopefully can, uh, you know, get some good points there too.
1: Had you seen you follow before?
2: Uh, no, that was actually my, my very first time.
1: Man, it was, uh, and you fished it, obviously you fished it very, very well. What was your technique during the uh, during the practice period? Were you out there marking brush piles? Was that the main thing? Did you fish much at all uh, during the practice? How How did you attack it?
2: Uh, going into that event, I wanted to fish shallow. Uh, that's kind of my strength, and, you know, you always want to kind of go with your strengths. But uh, the first day, you know, I went in, saying, you know, I'm going to fish shallow today and just see what happens. And ended up catching probably 18 pounds or so, you know, in the first practice day and uh, kind of went from there. I did fool around a little bit deep uh, for probably the second half of the second day and then the first half of the third day of practice. But uh, I was pretty committed to that shallow bite. So...
1: Yeah. Now, of course, Buddy Gross, uh, he came out of nowhere. Uh, we got him coming up next, but uh, he, he comes out of 10th place with a huge 27-pound, 11-ounce uh, sack to to take the victory here. But what was your confidence level? You were trailing Scott Canterbury to reigning AOI uh, going into the final day. How did you feel about uh, what you felt like you needed to do? Did you have a number in mind going into that last day that you thought uh, could get you the win?
2: Well, Scott was up by four pounds. Uh, he had four pounds on me, and, you know, he's not going to really give anything up either. You know, he's going to have 20 regardless. So um, going into that final day, you know, it's kind of just kind of, you know, do as, as good as you can and, you know, see where uh, where things fall. But, uh, you know, realistically, in order to win, I thought, man, i got to have at least probably, you know, 25 pounds to, you know, to have a realistic shot, you know, as it turned out probably even even more than that with buddy coming up with that giant sack, so you know it is what it is uh you know we'll uh we'll take it.
1: Yeah, uh, Caleb Kufal, with us here. Now, you had an outstanding year in the Opens last year. I mean, the Opens, people don't know, maybe 200, 225 boats, of course, Central Open Fishing uh, as we speak right now. And, uh, you know, you y- you finished uh, 25th, 1st, 29th, and 2nd. I mean, that's some serious damage against a huge field and a lot of really good sticks, including, you know, locals from uh, each and every place. I mean, you go to Louisiana and Alabama, you know, this is uh, totally different for you. You had better finishes there than you did fishing in Wisconsin.
2: Yeah, it uh, opened open definitely treated me well last year. Uh, kind of surprising, you know, a little bit to me. Uh, you know, to get that, that win was was really special at, yeah. uh, at Smith Lake. Just, uh, you know, go in there, get a classic berth and, uh, you know, good points going, going for the Elite Series. You know, it just, it all worked out. Everything just kind of fell into place last year. So, you know, hopefully we can keep that ball rolling this year.
1: Yeah, well, my question is, I mean, you win at Smith Lake in Alabama. Uh, you finished nineteenth at the Classic at Gunnersville. You finished sixth at Eufaula. Have you got a realtor yet? Are you thinking about property in Alabama? For God's sake, it's an ATM machine for you when you go to Alabama.
2: I love Alabama. Yeah, that's uh, you know a lot of big sticks comes from down there, and um, I don't know the fisheries down there just kind of kind of fit my style a little bit and. Uh, you know, love Gunnersville. You know Smith Lake. That's a little bit out of my wheelhouse, but obviously, you know, I found some stuff down there that that worked out for me. But you follow that place; absolutely has them. Uh, I I said on stage on uh, on Saturday that that's my new uh, favorite fishery. But uh, I mean, that yeah. place. I can't believe the amount of numbers and size of fish that are coming out of there right now. It's just amazing.
1: It's been that way for three or four years. It went through a period of time where it was a little bit like the Dead Sea, you know, and and, then all of a sudden it came roaring back, which is fantastic. Now, of course, Hummingbird, that is the home of Hummingbird. That's where it all started with Tom Mann and Hummingbird and all that stuff being invented uh, there in uh, in Eufaula, Alabama. But uh, I would think that your Hummingbird electronics were huge in a tournament like that. Even though you're a shallow water guy, um, you know, I would think that those Hummingbird electronics helped you out a lot when you did move. Offshore a little bit,
2: yeah, for sure. I mean, I run uh, two Helix twelves on my on my boat right now, and um, you know they always play play big into you know whatever game you got. You know whether it's shallow or deep, but um, yeah, I love those things. I, I they're they're phenomenal. I wouldn't have any little, uh, any other way. So
1: are you are you afraid to use uh spot lock in shallow water does it make too much noise for you or do you think that actually spot lock is a pretty good thing to use I know everybody uses their their anchoring systems and so on as well but what about spot lock in a shallow water type of scenario
2: I actually run a four trex on my boat so I don't have a, a oh. spot lock feature I don't have an all tracks so um you know still stick with that four trex I don't know I just I just kind of it feels better you know under my foot and just Something about it, you know, that I, that I prefer, uh, that, that true cable steer, you know, over the, the all tricks, uh, you know, that I like running, but I'll tell you the, uh, the talons were huge for me this last week though, uh, fish and shell, like I did, you know, just being able to put me in a spot and keep me there and. Um, you know, whether it's for culling or for just, you know, fishing out an area, those were huge.
1: Yeah, so you're the one, you're the last one that's not using spa right? <laughs> Yeah, i the last one. <laughs> you're the last one. That's not, I know what you're saying, though, about that, because um, I, I've been running all trucks myself for the last six or seven months uh, for the first time. And, man, I'll tell you what, I about throwing myself out of the boat the first few times I hit that pedal because... That power steering is it's really fast. Now, once you get used to it, it's touchy. But once you get used to it, it's, it's really, really nice on the foot. But, uh, but yeah, I've heard that from other guys that say, you know, they kind of like that responsiveness that they get into cable. It's just something you've been doing for years.
2: Right. Yeah. There is something just a little bit different about it. You know, the, the response steering to, you know, the four treks versus the, the but I still know a few guys that are running the, the four treks, you know, on the, the pro tours. So yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not the only guy, but I am a, you know, definitely of the few. So
1: tell us about PC fun, your, your main sponsor this year, making it possible for you to fish the tour.
2: Yeah. PC fun. They're a, uh, my title sponsor this year. So they've been helping me out. Uh, they're actually my only sponsor from last year. Um, I only had one last year, uh, qualified for the leads and stuff. So they came over with me this year and, and, you know, stepped up to the plate and, uh, they've really helped me out, but they're mainly a real manufacturer. Um, kinda of on the, the the lower um you know price bracket end of things. Uh but I you know, I still use them in the Middle series. They're great. Uh the, the ones that I really run are the the P C Fun Phantoms, uh Baycaster. Uh those have been real real good for me this year. I them in the classic, you know, ran them in this tournament mm-hmm. and um, you know, last year too, so got to give them a a good shout out uh thanks a lot for for
1: supporting me yeah absolutely pc fun that's how you say it pc fun well caleb i appreciate you joining us and uh letting us know a little bit more about you here as you kick off your elite career and you're off to a great start coming off your sixth place finish at Ufala, and we wish you the best of luck the rest of the way and certainly in that new york swing thanks man All right. Thanks a lot for having me on. Coming up next, Buddy Gross enters the Winner's Circle segment. We'll do that right after this on Phoenix Boats, Bassmaster Radio on the Bassmaster Radio Network.
0: Welcome back to Bassmaster Radio, presented by Phoenix Boats. Now, here's your host, Tom Abraham. And welcome back, Phoenix
1: Boats, Bassmaster Radio, and as promised, now in our winner circle is a guy that, well, that didn't take long, in his second event on the Elite Tour, only his 10th event with Bass, Buddy Gross is a winner, and we talked to Buddy about Lake Chickamauga uh, twice, I think, in the last uh, few months, because he is the Lake Chickamauga guy. If you look at his boat, it's all uh, decked out with the Lake Chickamauga stuff, and he uh, lives right there at the, the beginning of uh, Chickamauga, but down in uh, Georgia, but... He went down to Eufaula and just slammed them on the final day to come from 10th place with 27 pounds, 11 ounces to get the win. So let's welcome him back to the show. Buddy, welcome to the winner's circle, man. Thank
3: you very much. Feels good to be here on this one.
1: Yeah, I I, I would think uh, your second event and uh, you really, you know, four, four and a half hours from uh, from the house for you to Ufala but so much great water right around you, so much closer, you really hadn't had any experience had you fall in the past, right?
3: No, sir. That's my first event there. I had only been down a couple of times before it went off limits just to look and see the water. And every time I went, it was high, muddy, and running hard. So didn't get a whole lot of fishing done, just did a lot of looking.
1: Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, what an incredible final day. 27 pounds, 11 ounces. You went into Championship Saturday in 10th place. Uh, what's your thought process as, at that point? Does it look, hey, I can move up a few spots, make a few more points, uh, make a few more dollars, or are you thinking, yeah, I'd go in there and bang 27 and win this thing?
3: No, I was not thinking I was going to bang 27. I was just figuring I was starting out in 10th, and I had nowhere to go but up, and I just went fishing. Started off fishing a lot of new water and uh, wasn't real productive on the deeper stuff, so I went back, shallow brush, and, run new stuff, and started catching some good ones, and it was just a real blessing.
1: Yeah, You say run new stuff. So these were spots uh, they, where you were catching these big ones on, on Saturday. These were spots that you had not fished during the tournament itself uh, before?
3: Probably two at least. Maybe three of the ones that I weighed in had not been fished in the, in, during the tournament hours
1: man that's amazing stuff what are you looking for in a brush pile that makes a brush pile right because i mean that lake has got thousands of these brush piles uh all over the place so what what what, what makes one a good one for you
3: i try to find one that's setting up in front of a place where they might be going to spawn or come out to spawn point uh ditch mouth just anything where high traffic of the bass might be fading you know fading through or coming through and just pulling up, stop, take a break for a minute, or even making a home residence there. You know, yeah, it needs to have needs to have some deep water close and some good structure, and the rest of it's this current and sitting there waiting to feed.
1: Yeah, Buddy Gross with us coming off his win. At, you followed $100,000 uh, in the hopper for that deal. I would imagine that your Hummingbird Electronics obviously played a big, big role for you as well, not only uh, hitting these spots, mapping these spots, but then spot-locking so that you could work over these brush piles.
3: That's exactly right. I would pull up, spot-lock, and I'd you know, I'd get close to the waypoint, and then I'd make a cast where in the general direction of it, and nine times out of ten, I'd get real close. And as soon as I got to where I thought I was completely either downwind or down current, depending on if the wind or current was stronger, I'd spot lock. And within two casts, I'd hit it dead center, and I'd make two more casts. If I got bit, I'd stay. If I didn't, I'd leave.
1: Talk about that too, fishing those brush piles because that can be frustrating. A lot of guys, you know, weekend anglers and whatnot, uh, just are not real thrilled doing it because it seems, seems like it's one snag after another. And you were throwing a jig in there. Besides, you know, it wasn't uh, necessarily the big worm or, or something like that. Just talk about fishing those things and the technique that you use because uh, you you had said this prototype jig that you had. You didn't have a whole you know fistful of them, so you don't want to get hung up too much.
3: No, what I would do more than anything, because the tournament started out, I was swimming a swim bait through them. So I was already comfortable about throwing past them, you know, doing a little bit of a countdown, swimming it up, and trying not to get real deep into the brush. But with a jig, I'd just throw past them, and I'd kind of work it pretty fast. So I felt a little bit of structure, and then I'd swim more or less across it, let it fall, and most of the time I'd either hit it on top or on the fall on the backside. You just kind of had to feel your way through. I wasn't letting it fall across every limb and go down in. It was more – you know, swim it up to it, pitch it up, make it have a little bit of action and fall back down. And usually they'd get it before it ever hit the bottom.
1: Yeah. Buddy Gross with us talking about this uh, victory that he, uh, that he got there at Eufaula. Um How did you feel going into the tournament? You know, it is similar waters to what you're used to fishing in the region, you know, possibly. But how did you feel going into a confidence level?
3: Well, I knew that in the past, brush had played a big role in the tournaments there, and, and my whole goal was to find as many as I could. In the first day of practice, I just started running some brush to see if I was getting quality bites, and I got a couple of bites that was over four pounds, so I just decided at that point to idle, find more of what I was looking for, and at the same time try to find some offshore fish, because I felt like there was going to be some big schools off. I just missed the offshore bite, unfortunately. I had two schools, and I shared one the first two days, and then after that, I just didn't go back to it at all. and just completely brush pile fish for the next two days how deep were these brush piles
1: when you say you went back shallow into the brush piles I mean, what are we talking about duck flies here
3: the deep ones i would fish would be like 15 18 but i didn't get many bites out of that so then i moved up to 10 to 12 and that's where most of the bites come from but for whatever reason on the last day i decided to go even shallower like six seven feet and that's where a couple of those key fish come from. I think I had two six-pounders out of, like, six-foot brush piles.
1: Do you think those were fish that were on their way out, or do you think that some of the deep water fish maybe got chased back, uh, you know, into the shallow because shallow it was so much activity out deeper?
3: Because the fish looked healthier than some of the other ones I had, I would say those fish had been out there and just kind of hanging out the whole time because they were really healthier than some of the ones in the 12-foot range. And, and I don't know. I can't tell you for sure, but I'm guessing those fish had already been out and started feeding up pretty good in that six-foot range.
1: Yeah, Buddy Gross talking about this uh, jig. Now, tell us more about this jig that you were fishing because it seemed like that's what you did a lot of your damage on, uh, weight of the jig, trailer, and and your setup uh, for fishing it.
3: I was using a Fitzgerald uh, rod, and it was a 7.3 extra head. It had a dial of the SV reel on it and the 17-pound pea line, but I was taking a three-quarter-inch jig, and what we had done, we have been working on this. I started off football jigs, and we got them done, so we moved over to this jig. This is more of my grass jig, but when I threw a football jig through it, it just wanted to stay hung so much, so I switched over to this bullet style, and uh, it's just got a lightweight guard, lighter wire hook, and it's just more for penetration because we're throwing 80 to 85 feet at these brush piles. I'm trying to stay way away. And I needed to get good hookups, so we lightened everything up in order to do that. And it's it's doing phenomenal, and it's coming soon at Nichols. But it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a few months because we want to make sure it's right when it actually comes out to production.
1: Yeah, you want to make sure that you got another couple of two three hundred thousand dollars in the bank before you put it out of production. Come on now, don't don't, don't mess with us. We know how this works. I mean, you guys hide that that prototype stuff for a few minutes. I, I, I and I get that um, that thin wire though not a problem uh, in terms of these because obviously you were catching six pounders and it was like nothing. But that thin wire because a lot of guys they like that heavier wire because they're afraid that the thinner wire hook will will uh, you know they'll come up. Button.
3: but the thing about it is, is i never had any trouble with it i mean it, it you know if you got hung in a brush pilot bend but if it, it's not going to bend on a fish i don't think it it was uh and i didn't baby the fish i hoard i mean extra heavy rods and 17 pound test that's not designed for a whole lot of playing i was bringing them in and it just gets in the hard spots a lot better it, it cuts in and it's, it's just a super sharp hook and does a wonderful job
1: what about the trailer? Talk to me about the trailer that you were using on it. Did it matter, uh, or did you just stick with one style of trailer?
3: I stuck with one style of trailer, and it did seem to matter. I didn't want it to have a whole lot of action. I used a Zoom uh, Super chunk is what I was using, in the green pumpkin color. And I think they were really keying in on brim and shell crackers and stuff because there was starting to be a lot of shell cracker beds show up around these brush piles too. Not all of them, just some of them. But I just think everybody was throwing shad pattern baits. I switched over to dark color and it was like. Had not seen it. It was like the first time somebody broke out in Alabama rig. I mean, they were biting it.
1: <laughs> now, day one, you had sixteen, fourteen. Probably feeling pretty decent coming back in. You're like, I got sixteen, fourteen. I mean, next thing you know, you're fighting for your life to make the cut. I mean, it was it was amazing how many fifteen and sixteen pound bags there were uh, after day one.
3: Yeah, I was like forty third, but. The the untold story is, and everybody's got a fishing story, but I should have had what, over twenty five the first day. I just wow. made some errors on my part. It was my, it was all me. Uh, it was nothing else other than just bad execution. I had decided that I was going to run a lot of brush that morning, and I had started wearing my life jacket, which I don't usually do while I'm up fishing. And my lanyard got wound up in a reel on a seven-pounder oh. that jumped by the boat for three minutes before I could get unhung. I mean, I was so bound up, I couldn't even get the rod away from it. I could turn it loose, and it just stay right on my belly. So it was pretty bad. Oh, my. But that- it was just some fishing error on my part, the reason I didn't have a pretty good bag at first. Though.
1: And a lot of that damage was with the jig as well. I mean, it wasn't something that you just switched to on the final day. Uh, uh, you know, were you fishing a jig right from the beginning?
3: No, that's why I was throwing a swim bait. I had a weedless swim bait rigged up, and I was throwing it, oh, and it was getting bit very good the first day and a half, and it just kind of, I think everybody was doing that swim jig, swim bait, shad pattern deal, and and it just seemed to be slowing down, and that's when I picked up the, the jig, and it just, everything changed.
1: Good, and that's a good lesson uh, for fishermen as well, too, right? As far as you know, you, you you feel like, well, if they're hitting this particular thing, that they're gonna maybe they turned off and they'll come back to it. But, um, you know, to have the guts to change and go to a different uh lure altogether, and like you said, you're not going down, you're in 10th place, you're not going, you know, nowhere to go but up. But, I mean, that is a good lesson, I think, for fishermen. That sometimes you got to change it up a little bit, and uh, and it's not the fish that have stopped biting, it's it's just, it's just that you're throwing uh, you're throwing the wrong thing.
3: That's right. Even on the deep skulls when we're out, I'll have five or six different kinds of baits to throw at them. Even if I've got one that's catching them, you always want to have a bait there that you can trick at least one or two more into biting during the days to make a big difference at the end.
1: Very, very good stuff. And now you go uh, north for July. Basically, I'm going to spend a whole month of July in New York. And uh, I would imagine the confidence is, is pretty high going up there.
3: Yeah, Cosmos level great. I mean, I'm not the best smallmouth fisherman in the world, so I'm kind of looking forward to those lakes that's got a little bit of mixture. But, you know, I got my first top 20 last year at Oneida in the northern areas, so I'm really looking forward to getting back up there and trying to make that happen again. Nah,
1: Certainly, there's plenty of largemouth in Cayuga Lake, and uh, and you can find them also uh, at Champlain for sure. That's what's great about those lakes is they can go either way. Buddy Gross has been our guest. Well, Buddy, congratulations on the win, man. Great stuff, and I, I got a feeling, you know, we'll be talking to you again in the future. I hope so. <laughs> All right, Buddy. Thank you, man. Yes, sir. It's great to be on the show. Thank you. All right. Thank you. That's Buddy Gross uh, coming off of his victory.
0: That's great stuff right there. All
1: right. We'll get a break in here. We'll come back with more Phoenix.
0: Welcome back to Bassmaster Radio presented by Phoenix Boats. Now, here's your host, Tom Abraham.
1: And welcome back, Phoenix Boats, Bassmaster Radio. And uh, now an opportunity to talk to a guy. Look, you've heard him on the show before. Uh, we put him in a sponsor spotlight segment often because, of course, Visit Anderson is uh, one of our great sponsors here at Bassmaster Radio. And um, the other part of it is, is that he he loves fishing, and he spends a lot of time out there marshalling. He's done this a few times as a marshal. And I wanted to talk to him about what it was like to be a marshal out there at Eufaula. Uh, and uh, he, he got to see some pre- pretty wild fish catches in his time as a marshal. So he joins us now. He's Neil Paul of visitanderson.com. Neil, welcome back to the show. How are you, man?
4: Tom, it's great to be here again. How are you?
1: I am fantastic. Talking to you in a little bit of a different role now, uh, you as the marshal. I talk about this every show. We always promote the marshal program and what a great program it is. And for 99 bucks to have a front row seat the way you have out there, it just it's just an incredible deal. But talk about the behind-the-scenes stuff that you get to do and you get some swag as well from BASS. It's pretty neat.
4: It is and, and I told somebody since last week I think it's the most underutilized program that Bass offers that you can get you for for ninety nine bucks, I had the opportunity to go out and spend three days in the boat with an elite angler last week. It was a different angler each day and you get to see uh you have a front row seat to, to not only how they approach their day but the decisions they make uh throughout the day. Um you see the good, the bad, the ugly. You get to see what lures they're fishing. You get to see their setups. And in most cases, the guys are, uh, I I was fortunate in that the three guys I was paired with last week were all uh, very, they were talkers. So they were guys that would, you didn't feel like you are on an island in the back of the boat. There were guys that were interacting with you, asking questions of you. And and it made for three wonderful days on the water.
1: Talk about that a little bit. You had Stetson Blaylock on day one. He is a rising star coming up, and he had over seventeen pounds with you day one. He doesn't make the cut day two. He drops to thirteen pounds and change, but he's got to be feeling pretty good with the seventeen pounds. Probably thinking he was going to be like top twenty or something after day one, but it was crazy to the the, you know the fish catching that was going on out there on Wednesday.
4: It 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 was, but I tell you what was interesting. It caught my attention because I knew uh, I we were actually were in the we were a little light on bass track. Um, Wednesday, I knew we had more. I think we had thirteen fourteen pounds in bass track, and I knew we were a little light i didn 't know we had over seventeen pounds until he weighed in and so I was pleasantly surprised he on the other hand, I thought it was interesting it got my attention that even with the seventeen pounds he was he was somewhat concerned at the end of day one from the standpoint of he knew what was out there. On that lake, and he knew what was um, what was capable of being caught, and so it was interesting because seventeen most people catch seventeen pounds, and they're pretty excited about their day. And that was one thing that stood out to me last week was how um, reserved and cautious he was with with seventeen pounds in the boat.
1: Yeah, and uh, and so they know, right? They have a sense, right? If they're catching a big, they're not thinking they're the only guy that's out there, you know, crushing it.
4: That's correct. And he also alluded to the fact, you know, talking to me in the boat on Wednesday that, you know, several places that we fished on Wednesday, he had caught bigger fish. Or seen bigger fish in those places um, throughout practice, and they just weren't there when he went back. So uh, he was picking numbers uh, more so than he was than he was picking off size, and and I think that was. I mean, he even had, you know, he he had he showed some concern on day one, which was kind of interesting.
1: Now, uh, your job as a marshal, people are confused sometimes by this, is that, uh, first of all, does that mean you're a referee? Does that mean you're supposed to tell on the guy if he's doing something wrong? Does that mean you just hang out and sleep and enjoy the sunshine and watch a guy catch fish? Or are you actively involved in getting information back to uh, the truck, if you will, or back to the studios in Arkansas to keep them posted on what's going on with your guy? So uh, all or none or some of those things
4: all and most you know i i would i would uh i would caution you against <laughs> sleeping in the boat but um but pretty much everything else i mean you're the eyes and ears for bass in the boat, the, the guys know the rules, and I mean you've got to you'd have to search far and wide to find the guy that wants to bend the rules. But you know, just a situation like last week, you know, and it was tough. Like I hated it for him, but you know, Shane LeHue had a situation last week where he had a penalty on day three that essentially kept him out of the top ten and allowed Buddy Gross to get in the top ten for uh, for Saturday. But Shane had a period where he rode around with six fish in his live well and he missed a call a culling opportunity and as a marshal you're not allowed Uh. to help your angler cull fish
1: and not even and, to say to him, Oh by the way, hey, 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 you didn't throw one back, you gotta throw one right. back. You can't or, even say or like, that?
4: or like I would be tempted to do, stick your oh. foot in the lid of the live well, so they slammed the foot on you slam the lid on your foot and realize there's something wrong. But I know even as you know, you, you just can't do that. And and I know that had to be really tough for the marshal and I had to, because Shane was on his way to like a twenty five pound bag on on Friday and the Marshal couldn't say anything about it. And so that's your role as a marshal then also another role is obviously you you have bat, the bass track app and you are responsible for recording the uh the catches and weights to submit. So when folks are watching uh, Bassmaster. dot com and Bassmaster Live, and they're following the tournament, they're getting the, the most up to date information possible. And that's one of your responsibilities, along with sending in photos and sending in blog type uh, entries, so that they can keep uh, the most up to date tournament coverage available.
1: You know, this this back to the Shane LeHue thing. I mean. Look, Buddy Gross ends up winning the tournament from the 10-hole. I mean, we just talked to Buddy. And um, so you're saying that it was possible that Buddy Gross would not even have been in on championship had, Saturday had Shane LaHue not had the penalty. I mean, did the numbers th- work out two, that way?
4: Two Two things. Shane, if I remember correctly, and this was actually, I was with, uh, with an angler on Friday, and Shane actually idled up to us, and the two anglers talked from boat to boat. So I mean, I got it firsthand from Shane, but he had uh, a six-fish penalty um, on Friday, and if I'm not mistaken, he had a dead fish penalty on Friday. And had he not incurred both of those penalties on Friday, he would have been in the 10th spot, and Buddy Gross would have been 11th. Wow,
1: um, man, that 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 is a, that's a heck of a story. So now on the flip side, so you can't stop a guy from making that mistake. Um, uh, you can't remind him about that. What about reporting something like that? We had the incident a few years ago. I think it was actually at Cayuga Lake where there was an off limits area by a marina that Greg Hackney, you know, wandered into. And 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 I don't know if it was the it was the marshal that ultimately you know let Bass know, hey, we were in a in a dead spot. Or can you say to your guy, hey, this is so this is that
4: off-limits spot that they showed us. No, you can't. You're not allowed to have any communication that's going to help him or hurt him at all. And what, they, what you're encouraged to do is make a note. Um, whether it be just kind of in your a mental note or make a note in your phone or whatever, and then when you get in at the end of the day, you're to report it to the uh, tournament directors, and then they will address it with the angle. So
1: you do report, okay? So you are to pass along something that you saw. So in other words, if you well, if you were with LeHue and he had the six fish, um, you would have been compelled then to to tell them later. Hey, by the way, he had six fish in his boat for a half an hour before he remembered that he didn't call. <laughs>
4: That's correct, but I think in the situation with LeHue, he caught it himself right, right. and made the phone call and self-reported it, so it kind of took his marshal off the hook a little bit by him catching his own mistake, but unfortunately, by the time he caught it, it was too late.
1: Yeah, I, I, w- I was... Uh... I was fishing an Eastern Open with Terry Seagraves. In fact, it was my first day ever fishing an Eastern Open uh, a few years ago, and I'm fishing with Terry Seagraves, and he caught his six fish, and he puts the six fish in there, and he's he's looking to make his call. Now, here's a very experienced guy over the years, Terry Seagraves, and he's looking around, and, and you know, he closes the well for a second, then he opens it back up, and he looks in there, and he's like, oh, my gosh, I have six fish. I think I'm I think I'm illegal. I have six fish. I said, wait a minute, Terry, you, you're calling. I mean, I was a co-angler, so, you know, we could have this conversation. I was like Terry. You, Terry, you haven't made a cast yet. You 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 have to have six fish in the boat for a minute to where a call. You know what I mean? And and so you know, but he thought he had. He almost called a penalty on himself when it wasn't a penalty. That's how sometimes these guys get so amped up.
4: But they they do. In fact, I was with an angler. I was with Brandon Cobb on Friday, and and Brandon was fishing as in the top ten, and and um and he he had. He caught a fish and he actually made the call and he got back on the front of the boat and he picked up his rod and he, he he uh rears back and then he stopped and and uh and turned around and he looked at me and he goes, I did call, didn't I? And I couldn't say a word. And uh I just kinda stared at him <laughs> and he said he said, Wait a minute. I think I I don't know if I called it. He put his rod down, he came back to the back of the boat and uh lifted up Lifted up the uh, live well lids, pulled his fish out, recounted them, and he had five. Mm-hmm. But just you know, just just the uh, just those details. Are things that uh, you know guys have to be on top of on the water, and and as a marshal, you're not. I mean, it's not your place to help.
1: Yeah, boy, that that is uh, that is tough. And uh, honor, it's like golf, right? There's a lot of honor out there for these guys, and they are very honorable. They'll call the penalty on themselves if they have to, and sometimes they just make a mistake. I also fished an event once where that Steve Kennedy was fishing in, and uh, he had a hit a great bag at Neely Henry Lake, and he inadvertently brought six to the scale. (laughs) Didn't know It didn't know until they dumped him in the in the deal, and he ended up, of course. He, had a, he, he, he lost his, uh, they take the biggest fish out. You get a penalty, and they took the biggest fish out of the bag, which was a five-and-a-half-pounder, and that cost him dearly. And it was just like, you know, it was Steve Kennedy. But it was like, Steve, really? I mean, six fish in the bag, you know, and it
4: happens. Well, it does. And here's the other thing, and I think, you know, and I know there was a lot of conversation on, on Bassmaster Live last week just in, you know, hearing some of the other folks talk was, you know, it was widely known that there was a uh, – a benefit tournament on the lake saturday and it was kind of how is this going to work with with the elites out there on the final day and, and 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 there were a lot of guys uh friday not so much thursday but particularly friday out practicing for the event on saturday and and here's what I I've told people and here's what I would say you know the benefit you get from being a marshal is i mean i wouldn't necessarily recommend using the marshal opportunity as a practice necessarily because, you know, you have an obligation in the boat and your obligation is to bass and to that angler. But I can't imagine a better situation if you fish a body of water and a Bassmaster event comes to your town or comes to your area and it's a lake that you that you fish on a regular basis, or if it's a lake that you've always wanted to go and visit. You know, I can't imagine a better setup situation than to go get in the boat with a professional angler and go watch him approach that particular body of water on that particular day. Everything from the way he sets up his boat to the way he sets up his different presentations and the way he makes those decisions throughout the day. I think as men, particularly oftentimes, we... we um, and it's an ego thing. I think we often feel like we know it all or we don't like to admit that we don't know everything. Yeah. And so I think guys are reluctant to be to get in the boat with the pro, not pick up a rod all day and, um, and admit that there's still some things that they can learn. And I think the Marshall program sets up great for for that type of situation. Listen, I spent three days in the boat at Eufaula last week, and I had fished down there before, but I never made a cast in three days. Never put my hands on a rod and reel, and I can assure you I came home a better angler for it.
1: Yeah, I know. There's no doubt about it. It is fantastic. And you also get to see these guys as humans. You get to see them backlash. You get to see them make some of the same mistakes that we make, because you don't see that necessarily all the time on TV. Neil Paul has uh, been our guest, and always uh, tremendous to visit with Neil. Neil, next time we'll get to We'll talk a little bit about what's going on down at beautiful Lake Hartwell as well. I know I can't wait to get there for the Eastern Open in September. I am fired up to fish the lake and and get there and hang around in uh, beautiful Anderson, South Carolina. It's always great. Neil, I appreciate you so much.
4: Hey, thank you, buddy. Have a great
1: day. All right. Thank you. All right. We'll come back and wrap it up next. I'm Tom Abraham. This is Phoenix Boats Bassmaster Radio on the Bassmaster Radio Network.
0: Welcome back. To Bassmaster Radio Presented by Phoenix Boats Now, here's your host, Tom Abraham
1: Final segment of Phoenix Post Bassmaster Radio, and as we idle this one back to the dock, let's take a look at some news and notes from around the pond. Marshall spots are available for regular season elite series events for just $99 per tournament, and as a part of the program, at every tournament, participants will enjoy an exclusive dinner and a meet and greet with all of the elite anglers, as well as receive official Bassmaster Marshall apparel and products from tournament sponsors. Visit Bassmaster.com forward slash elite for Marshall registration. Now the 2020 Bass Pro. Doc- Open season is underway. Of course, they're fishing the Arkansas River in the Central Open as we speak. You can visit Bassmaster.com forward slash opens for all the info you need to get registered for upcoming events in the series. It's the highest level a co-angler can fish, and it is a tremendous way to hone your skills, learn from the pros, and maybe even make a few bucks as you compete against other co-anglers. This year's pro field is better than ever, so grab a co-angler spot now. And due to the incredibly high interest in the Open series, the the championship rounds of the Opens will be broadcast on Bassmaster Live this season. While you are at Bassmaster.com, click on sweepstakes for your opportunity to fish with Bassmaster Classic Champ Hank Cherry. The winner will get round trip domestic airfare, two nights hotel, say, a rental car, and $500 spending cash. But wait. There's more. How about a brand-new Bass Cat Sabre FTD with a Mercury 150 and Garmin Electronics, plus a pile of goodies from Hank's sponsors? Total value of this deal? is over $52,000. And don't forget to sign up for Rappala Fantasy Fishing at Bassmaster.com. Each week's winner will win $4,000 in cash and prizes, $4,500 if you are a member of BASS. And this year, over 190 places will win prizes each event. And the grand prize is over $20,000 in cash and prizes. Just go to Bassmaster.com and click on Fantasy for rules and to get in today. While you're at it, join our Bassmaster radio group where each event's winner will receive a rod and reel combo from Enigma and everyone that finishes ahead of me is entered in a drawing for a prize package from VisitAnderson.com, Rapala, Missile Base, and Phoenix Boats. There was only four of yous last week, that's for sure. To join our group, just search Bassmaster Radio under the Groups tab. Remember, if you missed any of this week's show, it's just a click away at Bassmaster.com forward slash radio or hit the Watch button and click on Bassmaster Radio. So until next time, keep those lines tight and nets heavy. I'm Tom Abraham, and this has been Phoenix Boats Bassmaster Radio on the Bassmaster Radio Network.